Startups join Techstars with aspirations, goals, and a vision for what they want to achieve. Fast forward three months, and Demo Day is a chance for these companies to showcase their growth and future plans. But have you ever wondered what happens behind the scenes when faced with the task of condensing all that progress into a two-minute pitch? I'm Jag Singh. I'm a serial founder and entrepreneur turned investor, and I'm also the managing director of Techstars Berlin. Welcome to the lead up, where we'll speak with one company from the current Techstars Berlin cohort in each episode. We'll find out what really goes through these founders' minds at each stage of building a business in an accelerator while preparing for the big reveal to investors and the community. I also have Umara Javid, an associate from our accelerator program, helping me here with the interview. Hi, I'm Amara, friends call me Tinks, and I'm a former associate of Textiles London and currently a senior associate at Textiles Berlin. And today we're speaking to the founders of MockMate. It's an intelligent online job interview simulator where you prepare yourself with automated interviews and get immediate feedback. I'm joined by Wayna and Meg. I'm Meg. I am co-founder and chief everything officer. I do everything that isn't tech. So I don't code, but I do whatever needs to be done, which could be making sure that the company pays tax or has tweets or has a website, user analysis, sales, B2B sales. When you work with a startup, it's that you just have to fill in whatever is needed to push the company forward. I'm Wayne. I'm the CEO of Mockmate. As Mac put it nicely, I'm the tech lead. I created Mockmate from scratch. The, the company is born out of my personal frustration with the recruitment process. During my MBA, we, we had to apply for jobs all the time and it was so time consuming and we all felt that it was disrespectful to candidates and I took it on myself to, to try to do something about it. Was that a natural role separation there? You just need to do what needs to be done. And so in each task or each project, as long as it isn't hard coding, like maybe Wayna would jump in and do it or maybe I would do it. So there's a lot of exchange and even with our team, there's not really a, a strong sense of hierarchy. We don't want that because we think that harms innovation and collaboration. And if you're in this position, you should do the dirty work as well. You should be able to get things done as long as it is mission focused and helps push things forward. You just mentioned being mission focused there. Let's rewind all the way to the, before the accelerator program even started. You get a phone call, hey, I'd like to offer you a place in the accelerator. What was the mission of the company then at that point? I think the mission of the company at that point was to was to help companies fix the recruitment process and consider more people, being more inclusive, and really be a B2B SaaS product to, to help in the recruitment space. Yes, we were trying to sell B2B recruitment product to save recruiters time in screening and in phone calls. So we're placing the first 15 minute phone interview. But as you can imagine, trying to sell something to someone, basically telling them we're going to replace you with this technology is not an easy sell. And people really what they do most of the time. So they also had comments like, but I do a good job or I know, and I have this intuition or this gut feeling that can't be replaced, which is debatable in some instances, but regardless, having a a record of a interview or a system and data collection in the process of recruitment is absolutely necessary for all kinds of reasons in both making sure that people are doing their job correctly and recruiting the right people, but also making sure that 
diversity prevails in the hiring process and people are not removed. So that was one of the challenges that we had at the time last fall. What were you hoping to get out of Techstars? We knew Techstars from before, obviously, because uh, we were working in the startups in the past. And for us, being accepted in the accelerator was already a badge of honor. From taking a product from really nothing to being accepted, Techstars was already incredible for us. I think... The second part was the access to the network. We know thousands of companies have gone through Techstars and lots of them are selling to large B2B companies. And so we were hoping to, to be able to demo our product to bigger players and get in there. I think another thing that we wanted to achieve is being accelerated and managed to raise the second round of investment after the accelerator. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I thought your product sucked. <laughs> Welcome to the club. I didn't think the product had a lot of legs at that point. I thought the positioning was completely off. What I absolutely loved was your team, right? You'd assembled a stellar cast of people who had their responsibilities rightly divided and separated. If we skip forward a little bit and talk about the mentor madness components of the Accelerator program, it's two weeks where you meet nearly 100 people, some really sharp, experienced minds, giving you feedback what was that like? I think it, it wasn't much different. At the time I was working alone on the project, I was trying to talk to as many people as I could. So I was, you know, doing kind of this mental madness, obviously not in the such a small time frame and, and intensity, but having to defend your project or, or your idea is, is a common thing. And sometimes you have great discussions with people that understand directly what you're trying to do. Sometimes they just don't click or they don't like it. And, and yeah, this is part of the game as well. And I think already the two weeks of mentor madness have helped. It's like entering a sparring, a sparring boxing match, right? Where sometimes opponents are, are nice and, and friendly and sometimes they just want to kill you. And, and so it also allows you to prepare arguments and prepare yourself on how to answer difficult questions. So no, all, all good. And this is also something that we would have not the chance to do if we had taken the, the angels deals because the angel deal was just cash. We would have never met those people. It took some time for the mentors to understand what we were doing. And by the last days of Mentor Madness, it was very clear and they immediately got it. So that also helped us really put ourselves into the listener's perspective and really manage to define our product in, in a more understandable way. I'd love to know, so just like carrying on from this, but generally as well, because whenever I speak to um, anyone from the Mockmate team, you're always quite energetic and enthusiastic. So I'd love to know how you stay motivated, like whether that's in face of feedback or just day to day. So have a really great coincidental change in energy where I start off the week really high energy. Wayne is not a morning person. I am more, by the end of the week, I've run out of steam. I need a little bit of a break. And Wayne is just like on fire. So this really helps the company, <laughs> the, the mission of the company uh, by having one person always be a little bit carrying people forward. So we realized that uh, Team spirit is really, and actually we realized that quite early in the, in the, you know, making of the company, I stole that idea from Google. So we started doing thanks mockmates. It's Friday. So every Friday we would have like drinks on the, on our rooftop. We'd present the new, the newcomers. We'd explain the challenges of the week and then the good news. And then we'd all cheer and have a little party. This really helped putting the team together. Another thing that we realized that people were not really morning people. I'm the first one to not be a morning person. And so the team themselves proposed coffee and content. So every Monday at 
I think it was 8.30 at the beginning. We might have pushed it to 9, uh, but it was 8.30 at the beginning. And members of the team would make some research on what's going on in the recruiting world, in the HR tech scene, and present a few findings. And this would really put some good motivation for the week and have a nice way of communing with the team, I would say. So you started focusing on the B2B model, and then you repositioned to open up the B2C side. I'm sure their founders who are listening, who might be able to take inspiration from this. Can you share some of your learnings? After the mental madness, the idea is that we make a strategy and, and we try to stick to it as much as possible. And we put KPIs to make sure we, we meet those targets that we set for ourselves. Initially, we wanted to be a B2B SaaS platform, but talking to users, talking to mentors over the course of, of the first few weeks after Mental Madness, we realized that this was still going to be part of the plan. We believe in people and people are at the heart of HR and recruitment. So by opening our product to users, to the customers, the B2C aspect, we can reach the B2B aspect and monetize. So we actually saw this happen in the last two weeks. It's tough out there. And we got our first inbound B2B client who had seen our advertisement and wanted to know more. That's a very simple way that this process works. And this go-to-market strategy is unique and different, but it rests on the type of business that we have in HR tech. I think also in the startup world, the go-to-market strategy is very crucial that you can have an awesome business, but if you have the wrong approach or the wrong thing at the wrong time, it doesn't really go anywhere. We're trying this. We don't see any other people in HR tech doing this. Our ethos and our mission is to help people and to address issues that people have. So it makes sense to open up to the B2C. How do you think Mockmate fits into the future of work, what it's going to look like post-pandemic? Obviously, it's a really crazy time right now all over the world and in different places, different realities, right? Different cities, different countries, different levels of openness. So unemployment is pretty high. One of the really unique things that I have seen recently is that more than 70% of people under 30 want to change jobs after the pandemic. So it's not just that this is a unique situation because of COVID high unemployment, but that if you're in a job, you might not be happy or you might have reconsidered things over the last year. So for me, the future of work has always been remote. Having remote first makes recruitment a lot more challenging. And that means that your duty as a recruiter should be to look through all the candidates, but that can be overwhelming. So naturally using a tool would make a lot of sense. So we're hoping that this is an advantage for us. I think in terms of future of work, like the recruitment process per se, which is mostly cover letter, CV, and then, and then filling forms online, I think this will evolve. The CV is not that old. People have been applying to on, on jobs th through platforms maybe for the last 15 years. So it's all still pretty young. And I think the application process is going gonna, is gonna to change. And we're really hoping here at Mockmate that we'll pioneer the way companies select and, and recruit people. So I've heard you use the phrase democratize recruitment a few times. What does it really mean? So democratizing recruitment means that everyone gets a chance, that it's not just who you know or what school you went to that means that you'll get an interview, but that everyone can get an interview and that respect should be granted on both sides. So if a job seeker takes the time to apply, they should feel that their application is viewed and be informed of the process and alerted preferably with feedback. And then the recruiter side, saving time because already now 
recruiters are a bit overwhelmed. There's lots of applications that come in that may not be relevant. People who click easy apply, it's very simple on LinkedIn. So you have a temptation to apply more, but that makes recruiters jobs harder ultimately. But really you want to build a recruitment pipeline based on merit and not based on any kind of conscious or unconscious biases, whether they're positive or negative. So it could be that you went to Harvard. You mentioned that everyone should have a fair chance, and, and I think we're, we're all signed up to it. The the part that raises concerns is around the use of AI, especially we hear of how algorithms can be biased. Well, we know algorithms can be biased. How do you think about that? First of all, we analyze the content of the answers. So unlike most of our competitors, we don't analyze a tone of voice, which can be detrimental to, to different genders or face recognition, which could also be biased to different type of ethnicities. So we really focus on the content. So that's one, one, one answer. I think the second answer is that, of course, algorithms are biased, but so are humans. And, and the thing is that we have to be more objective than the humans. And we've demonstrated that during a few experiments that we did with our clients, that we managed to be as good as and, and even better than the human recruiters. Third is actually our app allows other type of diversity that is sometimes forgotten. For example, people with disabilities, people who are deaf and, and have like uh, motricity issues, they can't come to, come to the office. We try to make it uh, as accessible as possible because people can type, they can talk, uh, they can register, they, they can answer with a video and, and all the questions are on screen readable. So this is also adding a level of inclusive inclusiveness that, that traditional recruitment doesn't. You've done a pretty good job of talking and engaging with your users. How do you collect feedback and how do you implement it? So we talk to users every day. We have a chat on the application. So we try to message them in the middle of the, they're taking an interview and we can collect a cool feedback this way. We also try to send them a survey form as users so we can collect their feedback. We also created curated content. So we have a free ebook and we have manuals and things like that that we try to send to our users to start a conversation. And usually they're quite receptive because we're giving free tips and, and free content. So this usually works quite well. And then we have a community on Instagram, which we interact with every day. We ask questions about who they are and what their aspirations are. And so we try really to understand what drives them to find a new job and what they find difficult in the recruitment process or when they're interviewing. So who are our users, you may ask? We identified 18 to 30 year old people who don't necessarily have lots of corporate experience. They're mostly in the US. We have large clusters in Pittsburgh, Las Vegas, and Chicago. They are people looking for jobs in marketing, sales, uh, customer support, and HR. We're looking at our users a lot because we want to learn from them and we want to build a product that fits their needs. So you can use our product and we will perhaps track your mouse, see where you click, where you don't click, so we can improve the layout or, or user interface, see what kinds of questions, because we provide a job interview and there's more than 800 questions, see which questions you answer and you don't answer. So we're always watching this. And one of the things that we learned, first, we had someone spend more than 23 hours interviewing with MockMade, which was surprising. I really hope that he got the job. We reached out to our top 25 users to try to get insights from them. We had an event 
in April, which we invited our users and were able to have a more friendly and informal conversation with them about how to target their job hunt. We are improving our UX and the product constantly and consistently, trying to really provide good content and continue to assist our users in the next crucial months. Because for example, our users are 18 to 30, graduating college, it's a tough time. Graduates from 2020 are still unemployed. So we're organizing some events around this, launching an ambassador referral program, which is going to be really exciting so we can capture some of the energy of our users and convert it into more users. We've really enjoyed the Techstars aspect of mentors and advisors. And so we're going to formalize this with this awesome advisory board full of HR rock stars and entrepreneurs to continue that kind of feedback, not always positive. Critical feedback is important to grow the business. So we're aiming to have the advisory board meet once a quarter. But one of the main things that we're doing, which is a little bit unique, so previously we mentioned that our competitors in this space and HR tech don't really target the job seekers, they focus on the businesses. And one of the other things that is all about democratizing recruitment is this element of a challenger brand. So we're calling out some of the inconsistencies in the recruitment process, being a little bit unprofessional, which you can tell by our meme page on Instagram. But that is the reality of millennial, young millennials and Gen Z is that They feel that the cards are stacked against them. It's not really an ideal time to be starting a career or they'd rather just be a YouTube content creator. So joining corporate America is more challenging than ever. So we're hoping to bring this out in our business. It's definitely a risk because we're going to be the non-professional HR tech, but we're definitely going to attract attention from this. One of the things that we've been incorporating in our pitches is that For example, when we did our video, how did you find our company? Why did you choose us? Was it the name? Was it the color? Do you just like HR tech or something else? That's exactly what recruitment can be. You make decisions based on people's names or commonalities that you find or don't find, which can be unfair. So we're trying to illustrate this element by being this challenger brand. So in my experience of building challenger brands, there needs to be a very significant viral component to any proposition. The person who's receiving that message or the person who's experiencing the message that your brand is delivering needs to be able to go out and, and chat about it about from the rafters and, and pull other people in. Yeah, absolutely. So users go from our Instagram page where they see these, these uh, a little bit caustic memes and become our clients. They also share the platform with each other. We have evidence that one user attracts two of their friends. Ideally, in a beautiful near future, people will be able to find jobs through our platform. And I think that's really where our users will be able to see the value and, and perceive that not only we're this challenger brand and we're this like no BS recruitment, but we can also land them jobs. Again, given our user base and the reality of the world today, that recruitment has not changed. So we're used to ordering an Uber or getting delivery and tracking it all the way from the moment that we place the order to it arrives on our doorstep, paying by phone, all of these things which have happened at scale in the last 10 years, maybe five years. And yet recruitment hasn't. So you apply for a job, you hear nothing or you hear something. I literally got a rejection email two years after I applied for a job once. Of course, there's reasons for that in that case, but that's not really fair and it's not really going to last with this, let's say, impatient generation or 
the day-to-day life where everything is automated and to the customer's benefit. So we really hope to add that kind of element to the recruitment process. Sometimes we feel good and we feel bad about the, the startup. It's a very stressful endeavor. And then when I feel really down, I, I just go on the PwC website and I apply for a job. And that really makes me remember what I'm doing this and, and what we want to change. Like there's no better cure for, for being down than, than just applying for a job. Yeah. We need to get you some new hobbies, man. Wayne, I heard a rumor that you actually landed an interview at Uber by posting your cover letter in their, their office bathroom. Is that true? Yeah, yeah, it's true. We were, during my MBA, we do what, what's called treks. And so we go to a city, London, and then we visited all cool tech companies. And I quickly saw that I, we're all commodities. We're all MBAs. Like it's very, you, you don't really stand off. So I decided to do a little bit of guerrilla marketing. And I went on Canvas, kind of wrote all my best business ideas on a piece of paper, printed it, and then displayed it in all the, the bathrooms of all the companies we attended, we visited. And yeah, six hours later, I got an email from a recruiter at Uber saying that I caught their attention. You caught our attention. What do you want? So I got a few phone calls after that. And, and yeah, I got an interview. So that was quite interesting. Obviously. Wayna did this as a desperate way of standing out, which if you knew someone that worked at the company, you might ask for a referral, but he didn't. So we believe that you shouldn't have to do that kind of thing, that everybody should be given the chance to interview using our product, which makes it easier. So Mockmate's seen some like phenomenal growth over the last few weeks. You know, at, at all the KPI kind of, at all the KPI meetings where you come and present how the company's done and, and what you're doing or what you're planning to do differently over the next week. I've seen some impressive user growth. What do you think you're doing right? We changed our strategy, as we mentioned, from focusing on businesses to focusing on people. And we've seen really impressive growth. And we've been able to highlight that in Techstars at our weekly meetings, but we're tracking far more data points. One of the data points I really like is the questions answered. So we now have thousands and thousands of questions, typical job interview questions, that people have answered and we can analyze what they have said and go into the details of that. So with the thousands of answers we get to the questions, it's really great because it means that we're gathering lots of insights on what people might say during job interviews. And this creates a huge data set that we will be able to use in ways that that we haven't thought of yet. Are there any myths about being a startup entrepreneur that you could uh, debunk for us? Yeah, I think the main one for me is I, I was I founded a startup before and we weren't stuck because we were looking for this white elephant of a CTO that both of the founders didn't have. And so we were trying to do things that don't scale and things like that. That, that is very what you're supposed to do. But at the same time, we never managed to get off the ground because we didn't really have a product. This time, I decided that we would create a product, whatever it takes. We'd, we'd make it lean and very simple, but we'd create a product and we would get it off the ground. And that's been really paying. We, we might <laughs> still have to find this white elephant of a CTO, but clearly there's lots that can be achieved and there is real value that you can create without necessarily having to focus on having this rock star developer profile in the team. I have a great story for that. So I think it was about four years ago, I tracked down this really 
awesome career coach who's frequently featured in the media. I had been reading her blog for years and I thought she was awesome and just wanted to have her advice. So we set up a call and I told her about where I was in my life and my career history and what I wanted to do. And she told me, and this was several years ago, that I was too old to be living in a one bedroom with two other co-founders. And so I just like to point out that's not true. You're never too old. And that now with Wayna, we're married. <laughs> so we not only are living and working together, but we're sharing a studio apartment, which is probably the most challenging because there's not a lot of closed doors to have phone calls or to have a little bit of concentration or separation time. So yeah, I think it's like you can make anything work in your life if you really want to, or if you have the right time and the right place and the right people. So it just so happens that for us, we're also married and we're working together at this time again. <laughs> so third time, certainly it means that we end up working a lot and talking about mock made a lot of times on the weekends, but that's fine. It's shared goals and a nice, like at times bonding experience. I think we have also very complementary talents and, and forces and that makes it really easy. I, I hear also all the time, like people, when they realize that we're working together and that we're married, people usually, the usual response is, whoa, I, I could never work with my partner. And I, I think the way we see it is that you're sharing, you're sharing your life with that person. It's probably the best person you could work with, actually, because like we understand each other's weaknesses and we're very let's say forgiving you know, on, on, on the other people, on the other person's shortcomings. So yeah, it has been great. <laughs> so for all our listeners out there who may be in a similar situation, what's the number one way that you diffuse an argument? I mean, we don't really argue about work in that way. Everybody has moments where they don't agree. And one of the benefits of working with your partner is that there is no BS and you can just tell them you're being ridiculous. I told him once he was being a diva and he was. <laughs> so I appreciate that. I can be extremely honest and candid and Wayna can as well. There is no kind of gray area. Wayna, your co-founder is calling you a diva. Are you going to take that? The layout on those slides were terrible. Okay. <laughs> I was not being a diva. <laughs> Simmer down, folks. Let's not create a domestic right here on a podcast. Make for those in our audience who are listening to this, why should they try Mockmate? We hope that everyone goes to mockmate.com and tries our product. First, see if you can beat it. Even if you're a little bit out of our target age range of under 30s, it's good practice to interview like like this interview now on the podcast. It's always good to hear yourself and see how you respond when asked a question. It actually can be pretty awkward at times, so it's good to, to practice. But certainly if you're looking for an HR tech solution, please reach out. Or if you're looking for a job, we'd love to help. And that's why we created MockMate. Meg, Wayna, thanks for coming to share. And to our audience, especially, thanks for listening. Don't forget, we have nine other amazing companies from Techstars Berlin sharing their experiences in this lead up series, a part of the Techstars podcast network.